Belonging is the idea of properly relating to something or someone. The psychologist Abraham Maslow identified belonging as one of the core human needs for social and emotional well-being. If we take Maslow's observations into the realm of our individual experiences, we can attest that belonging strikes a deep chord in all of us. We all belong or want to belong to something, whether it's an institution, a group, a community. Our belonging shapes who we are and how we see ourselves. In belonging, we find that we are known and accepted. Why is it so significant that we belong? And why does it seem sometimes to us so difficult, even as followers of Jesus Christ who know to whom and where we properly belong? This is Life as He Reveals, where we unpack the Christian faith beyond Sunday morning. I'm your host, Sharice Lee, and in this episode, we're looking at how belonging affects how we see ourselves and how it motivates or inhibits what we do. When we consider where we feel the most belonging, for many of us, it's what or where we call home. We all have different ideas of home and belonging, both positive and negative. But home is realized both physically and spiritually to us in the Bible. God created a home for Adam and Eve in the garden and established humanity's belonging to him by making man out of his own image. We see quickly, however, that Adam and Eve are uprooted as a result of sin and humanity has been restless and longing for home ever since. Yeah, I think over the years, it certainly evolved, understanding of what home means to me. My first interview is with Suzette Lee. Suzette and her husband Abe were actively involved serving in my home church in San Francisco for many years where Abe was also an elder. In the last couple of years, they have relocated back to Chicago, and I wanted to talk to Suzette about her idea of home and how belonging is something that she and Abe make a practice to extend to others, even as they have dealt with their own rootlessness. I'm originally from Singapore, so that's where I was born and spent 11 years of my life, and that was where I enjoyed time with, with my the family and then friends from school. And then when I was 11, my parents moved my sister and me to the U.S. And then we set up shop, <laughs> set up home um, in America, away from the homeland. Um, and then since then, I've lived in the Bay Area of California. And then we moved to Indiana, specifically Bloomington where I attended middle school, high school, and my college years. Uh, and yeah, grew roots there. That was the, the next place after Singapore uh, that I had put down roots and really felt like that was home. Because um, I think that spanned about 12 years in Indiana and then moved to Chicago, Illinois, where I had my first job and where I met and finally met, married Abe, and that was in a four-year span. And I was in Chicago, 
then returned to California with Abe. Um, and after 17 years in the Bay Area, where, which was the longest time that I had spent in any one place in all my life, even in, uh, compared to Singapore, um, after those 17 years, I moved back to Chicago two years ago. So there's some the back and forth and, <laughs> and relocation. But yeah, the, the main places were in, in Singapore and then West Coast, Midwest, West Coast, and back to the Midwest. <laughs> Yeah, those are a lot of, I mean, maybe also, you know, you've called home, uh, some cities home more than once in your life, like Chicago, mm-hmm, right Right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I do remember when you and Abe shared with me that you would be moving back to Chicago. And this was a, a few months before you actually moved in 2018. And I remember being, oh my, surprised. Uh, not even thinking that that was coming because I, I forget your segue to telling me that you're going to move. I think it was something like you guys were going to go out of town for a long time and then it ended up you saying that you were going to move. I think I was asking if any travels were ahead. And I think that's how I learned that you guys were moving to Chicago and it, it surprised me. So I wanted to know, and I, I know I have heard you and Abe share a little bit about this, but would love to hear a little bit more about some of your thoughts behind your most recent decision a couple of years ago to move to Chicago. It wasn't an easy decision, even though it seems it, it took um, a relatively short time to reach it. Um, but I must say it, it has been tough these past couple of years, um, trying to find that sense of belonging in a new place after um, a long stretch of feeling like, oh, we, we have our Bay Area legs under us, and we, we were blessed with a, um, a wonderful church community and, and San Francisco community. My um, sister and brother-in-law were there, so th- there was a lot. What one could say, yeah, we, we had everything going for us in the Bay Area, um, so it was a surprise that we would be plucked out of there um, after establishing relatively deep roots, I would say very deep roots. Um, and, but at the same time, I guess, just us trusting um, in, through our faith, just trusting that God has a plan for us um, in closing doors and opening this one um, for us to walk through. We, um, we just braced ourselves and, and took this leap and, and we got out here even though it it still continues to be a period of adjustment after two years um, to to this place, um, we we were determined to put down roots um, out of that trust that we're here for a purpose. Um, so that's helped uh, having both of us on that same page and having that goal and desire to uh, make this home um, for as long as, as we're supposed to be here. Um, to make us feel more comfortable and um, at peace with why we're here. Yeah, part of the surprise for me when you told me that you and Abe were going to be moving to Chicago was the very fact that you guys had such deep roots. And as you said, you know, 17 years, that's the longest stretch of your life. And I really felt in watching you and Abe that you had made very meaningful connections and been able to 
be hospitable to so many people. So I think the surprise of you leaving felt all the more shocking just because it felt like you guys were definitely rooted here. And when I visited you a year ago in Chicago, I think I remarked to you or to some of your friends that I had met that you know you guys had already made for yourselves a home in Chicago. You bought your house there and it seemed that there was already a, a formed community. And you mentioned that it was a little bit difficult at the outset just to find belonging. But what are what have been some ways that you have sought to make yourselves a new home kind of once you got over the initial transition and emotions of moving? Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, our uh, appreciation and, and joy associated with hosting people and showing hospitality back in San Francisco. That's something that we clung on to as uh, an important way for us to feel connected here, where we we just love having people over and uh, breaking bread with people around our very long table. <laughs> and so we we see if any opportunity to invite people to come over and show hospitality um, to help us feel uh, a sense of belonging here. And we were glad that people took us up on it. <laughs> we, we belong to a church where there are many young people, um, many of whom uh, I just remember some of them making the comment of, Oh, we haven't been like in a real house house since we left home. <laughs> that left their, their parents home, and so they they were eager to to meet with us in our home, and we loved having them come over. Um, so that that's definitely one way that we've created a sense of home um, in our literal house in our home, um, and also seeking opportunities to meet new people outside in addition to our church community. Um, frequenting certain restaurants and other shops regularly. So we, at least in faith, we were familiar with the people who work there and vice versa. Um, so that the, that can be a, a, a sense of home, us returning to those places. Uh, I joke with Abe about wanting to get a dog for the reason, of, for the main reason of meeting strangers on the street. <laughs> getting to meet neighbors because uh, pets are always a great conversation topic. Um, and uh, uh, we also realize that right now this COVID time makes all that challenging, having people over and, and going out and starting conversations with people. But we've found uh, creative ways to have people in our backyard safely. <laughs> so we started having small groups of people gather for for meals and such in in our back patio Um, so i'm grateful for that space we can we can host them during these these uncertain times yeah definitely there was another variable that got thrown in in the last five or six months or so with all that we are going through and this question isn't on the list but i know you mentioned just in you extending hospitality to those at your church that it's a lot of young people, and I'm sure in your observation, some of them have a sense of rootedness in the Chicago area, or some are transplants to that area. Um, are there ways in which you encourage them to have a deeper sense of belonging to the place that they're in, even though 
that might not be necessarily like like you guys your your home home as far as your hometown where you came from right we do encourage people to just trust that god has a plan for them wherever they are and to embrace it and to put down as deep of roots as they can wherever they end up uh, even if if they know that they're doing residency for medical for the medical profession, for example, even though they know they, they will likely be moving on, that they should encourage folks to, to make the most of their time by feeling a, a sense of, of purpose in putting some roots down in, in terms of connecting with other people around them, their neighbors, um, their coworkers and such. Um, as part of helping them feel like they belong somewhere. Um, and of course, in, in terms of fostering their faith too, just to have a regular rhythm of connecting with, with others who can help them in their walk with God. Um, so that there is that constant or consistency in their lives in the midst of um, all the changes that they're currently experiencing and that they will likely experience moving forward, especially if they're more transient and more transient stage of their lives. Yeah, it's easy to feel like you just want to live for yourself, even uh, in a place that's new to you because it's, yeah, you don't have those connections and that rootedness there. And I'm sure that you and Abe serve as examples and models, uh, even without knowing it, of your own transition and move there and, and putting down roots pretty quickly and one th- one thing that always encourages me uh, when I see you guys is is um, just I knew you know and selfishly that uh, you guys would would immediately make a home there <laughs> I didn't have any doubt <laughs> and I did witness that um, in the time that I was there last year and uh, I know that part of your motivation is you know is the example of Christ and it says in Philippians 2 Five to seven, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This is very humbling verses for us, just knowing that Christ left his earthly home, oh, sorry, he left his heavenly home to, to dwell among us. And, you know, if, if I were him, and obviously I'm not Jesus, but I would not have wanted to do the work of coming here into this earth, but he uprooted himself, came to this earth as a very humble infant. And not only did he dwell amongst us, he, he actually rolled up his sleeves. He had a job as a carpenter and ultimately, he did the will of the Father by dying a human death on the cross. How does that example of Christ encourage you in in what we what I've been calling housekeeping, as far as knowing that our home is not actually here on this earth, but yet we still have work to do for the Father? How does that example of Christ? encourage you uh, and Abe as you guys are in Chicago and, and putting down more roots? Yeah, I appreciate that question because it makes me think about 
the our desire to find purpose in us being here through our faith and trust that God has put us here to to thrive and flourish in our faith in Him. Not that this is a, a setback or, or something that was um, sad to, <laughs> to think about that we're away from another place that where we had called home. But through that trust that we are here to serve God in our daily lives, uh, it, it compels me to, to want to do as Christ did in terms of um, taking the, the form of a servant, seeking opportunities to serve our community, our neighborhood, um, and others in it. Uh, I feel personally sensitive and, and on the lookout for uh, people who might be isolated, especially during this time of COVID, people who, who may live alone or um, don't have a community around them to assure them of, of the love of God in their lives and, and visit them. And just as Christ visited us, he left his home to come and visit us. Um, part of living out my faith um, has been th- this uh, joy and excitement that I feel to, when I get to visit people in their homes or um, at least go meet with them and and see especially those who are uh, not around any other people. Um, so that's one uh, one way that Jesus' example encourages me or a model for me in good housekeeping. Um, and also having people over, I guess, talking about the hospitality element, welcoming people into our home so that we can serve others within our own walls. Um, yeah, because I feel like everyone is is in search of community and whether they know it or not is in, in search of God um, and spending time with others and building relationships with others is one way to show them God's love. Uh, I realize that it's home is a very abstract idea. So one that's not rooted in an actual physical location or memorabilia that I hang on to that remind me of a, of a time where I, I felt like I was very much at home. Um, just because of moving around the, uh, more in, in recent years than before and, and then um, needing to purge a lot of memorabilia as part of that. Uh, realizing that I can still strive to feel at home without needing to be tied to a particular place. Mm. Uh, so that phrase, the home is where the heart is, has um, increasingly been uh, significant for me um, mm. with my uh, connections with family, friends, and then my faith, just things that are constant in a setting that, that might be roiling with changes is, is what I look at as, as now what constitutes a home for me rather than a, a physical thing.
I think it takes faith and maturity to say that home is more than a physical reality, and to extend that welcome of home to others is something that I've admired in both Suzette and her husband Abe. After my own bit of transience living in different cities in my early adult years, I have settled back into the city I call home in San Francisco. The label as a native San Franciscan is somewhat of a rarity given the economic hub that is San Francisco and the many transplants that relocate here. If one extreme in responding to the need for belonging is attaching too much connection to a person or place, the other extreme is that we don't attach or put down deep roots at all. I think sometimes people don't even recognize their longing for home. You know, I think especially Mm -hmm. because we've accepted rootlessness as kind of just sort of the precondition for all of our other ambitions and pursuits, you know, specifically career, I think. Jen Pollack-Michelle is the author of three books, and in 2016, she published Keeping Place, Reflections on the Meaning of Home. I had the privilege of listening to Jen speak at a conference on the same topic, and she graciously took time out of her schedule juggling her five school-aged children to talk with me over the phone. In her book, Jen shares about her own experience with rootlessness, including her current season living as an American expat in Toronto with her husband and their children. Helping people to kind of identify um, rootlessness as um, and, and homesickness as as actually a condition. You know, I don't think a lot of people think about that. They just sort of think mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, this is what we all do. We we move around, and and I, you know, I kind of look at someone like Wendell Berry. I actually just happened to read an interview with him in the New Yorker, and he was talking about how, you know, one of the things that we're promised. I think, and very um, falsely promised in the modern world is freedom, like unlimited freedom. You get to pursue whatever you want. You get to follow your heart wherever it leads you. And we never want to limit our freedoms for the sake of anything else. And one of the things that he talked about at when he moved, he actually was in um, Manhattan, and then he moved back to rural Kentucky. I think it's Kentucky where he is. And he very much chose like a limited, a more limited life, you know, limited to the thousand people in his like little small town and um, limited, you know, he's limited his life digitally with um, without access to like, he doesn't have a computer and he doesn't connect um, through social media and all of those kinds of means. And so one of the things I think I really would love to challenge people is to think about the promise of unlimited freedom and really the false promise of it and and the idea that we don't ever get unlimited freedom. Every choice, every choice is a foreclosure on something else. So if you choose to follow your ambition wherever it leads, you know, and hop from city to city and possibly even country to country as you kind of pursue that next promotion, that next opportunity, um, what, do, what do we give up, you know? And one of the things I think that we do give up as we in in kind of a life of transience is the rootedness of relationship and being known and um, being recognized and received and welcomed. You know, like it, mm-hmm. it's easy. It's kind of easy to live in a place for like three years. I mean, that's that's been my whole life. You know, just move mm-hmm. three years, three years. You know, 
And you never actually, in three years' time, you don't ever really get to a place of, like, conflict with people. I mean, three years is, like, pretty much a honeymoon, <laughs> generally, mm-hmm. you know. I'm going on eight years in Toronto now. It's the longest I've ever lived somewhere. And I think, you know, and so this is, this is just such a big question. You know, like, how do, we, how do we tell the world, first of all, A, you're homesick, and B, mm-hmm. Um, there's the, the, the gospel promises home to you. And that first part, I guess what I'm trying to say practically is such a huge challenge because people don't even recognize it. They don't recognize their rootlessness. Um, except though, I think if we were to dig deeper and we were to ask people about the depth of their relationships and we were to say, you know, who really knows you and who really receives you as you are? Not the idealized version that you put of yourself on social media, but the real person that you are. Like, who has Mm. seen you in your most vulnerable moments? And I think that takes a long time to cultivate. I think we can, and, you know, I want to say some careers are going to have us move around, you know, inevitably, you know, and that can be actually a part of the calling that God, God has for us. I have a friend whose husband is an American diplomat. And so every three years they pack up and they get a new posting and they're currently in the midst of doing that right now this summer. And it's just, it's part of their vocational calling. I think they have to make those intentional choices to root themselves quickly and deeply in a church community as soon as they move to a new place. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, they're, they don't, they're not afforded eight and 10 and 15 and 20 years at a place. They have three years. And I think the beauty of believing the gospel that we are incorporated into God's family, just by virtue of being his children, that means we, we have a whole bunch of brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, nieces and nephews, and we may not like them all the time, but we have a place to belong. Mm. And practically, in the world, I mean, really as a church, we should be looking into our neighborhoods and into our cities and saying, who feels like they don't belong here? And how can we make them feel as if they belong here within, you know, our community? What, is that, what does that look like? Hmm. You know, what's uh, interesting about the Bay Area is, is because it's, it's such a huge economy and people are coming here for jobs mm-hmm. that people who are of the transient Type, you know, being here for just a few years, often find community within each other because they're transplants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then someone like myself, who is a San Francisco native, kind of look at that and think, oh, they're just here for, for a very mm. short time. And there's sort of animosity towards that because we know it's not permanent for them. They're sort of reaping the benefits of the city um, and you know, doing all that they like here that's pleasurable, but not investing in it. At the same time, when I look at the church, I think um, that we have sort of adopted that same mentality, too. And you mentioned in your book, housekeeping, God's good housekeeping, and just the need for us as a church to be involved with housekeeping in you know, relationships with each other, but also relationships with the uh, outside community and our city. So on the opposite end, how would you encourage um, believers in the church, you know, as we're sort of surrounded with this, you know, restlessness and transience to, to just mm-hmm. be housekeepers ourselves. Yes, that word 
I mean, it is such a deliberate word for me, like, to use that, because I think we, housekeeping, like, we all sort of get the, we shudder at that word, like, nobody wants to do the housekeeping, right? Like, nobody, mm-hmm. everybody wants the benefits of home, and nobody wants the burdens of home, and that's one of the things that I've really kind of, as I talk about home in a variety of different contexts, I try to, like, talk about those two elements. You know, you're mentioning people who move into the Bay Area for all of the benefits. You know, they don't want the burdens. They want the benefits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the idea is the church, we imitate God by taking up the burdens for the benefit of others. You know, that's, that's exactly, that's the housekeeping of the cross. It's Jesus taking up the burden of um, all that, all of our alienation as a result of sin so that he could extend the welcome of home back to his people and, um, you know, you know, you look at like a John one where it says, you know, he came into this world that he made and, you know, there were, most people didn't receive him. And, and so I feel like the work of the church, we have to sort of accept the nature of it to, to root ourselves in a place and to want to create home for other people means mm-hmm. that sometimes we're going to bear burdens. Um, there's going to be inequity, I guess I want to say, that will take up burdens that other people might not be willing to take up. And that there are some people who just kind of want, want all the benefits without the burdens, you know. But mm-hmm. I think that um, that's the generosity and grace of God. And um, how do we do that? You know, I mean, we do that, again, by kind of, I think we really have to look at our place. Like, where do we actually live? For, that's the first step. Um, so we don't often, like, when you live a life of transience, you don't really think about geography very much, right? You kind of think, like you said, in terms of relationship, but you don't think about where you actually are because where you are is just a stepping stone to where you're going next, right? It's just mm-hmm. kind of a sort of an in-between place. So first of all, you know, one of the ways to do the housekeeping is just say, where, where has God put me? You know, and what are the burdens right around me that I can take up? I mean, that could be physically just taking care of physically of, of the place where you live. You know, being a good mm-hmm. apartment dweller, you know what I mean? If you, like, wherever you live, be the best kind of resident you can be. Be the best citizen that you can be. Um, mm-hmm. Pick up your trash. You know, think about the ways that other people, how you can be courteous to the people who live really close to you. Think, And so there's 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 a very practical dimension to it, but there's also a, relational dimension to it there's there's an economic dimension to it I mean really thinking I mean gosh if we want to go really broad um, let's think about the unjust systems um, in our city you know where mm-hmm. like that things that may not even impact us directly but make it difficult to live in our city like so I think about a big conversation in Toronto is public transportation and you know all the, the people who get the most amenities are the people who live in the downtown core. And the closer that you live to the downtown, obviously, the more wealth you probably have. And so, you know, speaking up for um, just public transportation um, to benefit people who live in neighborhoods other than, than the neighborhoods I live in, you know. So I think, you know, when I think about people who come in and out of Toronto, I think that the church, and and for you, people who come in and out of the Bay Area and for our churches, I mean, we could take the posture of, oh, these people aren't invested. And the truth is that they probably aren't. But could we make, could we take their three years in our cities and we could engage them in, 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 um, 
building a vision for home and ultimately for the kingdom of God so that wherever they go next, they take that with them. And maybe they actually develop a hunger for rootedness. I think, I think that's really a big part of it is that we actually have to cultivate, we have to help with, within the church and also, you know, within the world, we have to cultivate the longings for the things of God. And it sounds crazy because it's like I'm arguing in the book that we all long for home. We just don't identify it as such. Mm-hmm. Um, and so helping to cultivate that longing for ourselves and for other people. And you know what? The Bay Area in Toronto might be a liminal place for some people, but maybe the next thing won't be. Maybe mm-hmm. people actually will have cultivated a desire to take up because the benefits, because the benefits of home that they experienced were actually um, given to them because other people took up the burden of homes. Maybe mm-hmm. in their next place, they'll be willing to take up some burdens for the benefit of others. And that really is how we model the love of God in the world. Mm-hmm. You know what? When people only have an appetite for benefit, we cultivate um, the commitment to burden. And it's so paradoxical, really, but it's a beautiful mm-hmm. expression of God's grace and generosity. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for that encouragement to the church. I have one final question, um, and, and you hit it at the end as you were um, answering the previous one. It's about our own homesickness, and um, as, as you know, as, even as believers, and understanding that as a part of us, you know, then that, you know, maybe compelling us further into this housekeeping and, got, and being a part of God's good housekeeping. Uh, in your book, you, you speak very practically to both singles and married. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know how how that can be lived out, and I just wanted you maybe to reiterate some things that you've said in your book about specifically to singles and marrieds about um, being able to to live out this housekeeping and just having a, a shifted perspective on home. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think we get really wrong is to think that the promise of the the, the promise of home, according to the gospel is a spouse and 2.5 children and a minivan and a house on a cul-de-sac in some beautiful suburb, I don't know, North American (laughs) suburb, you know? And Mm -hmm. we'd never say it as crudely as that, but, you know, we hear language like, you know, your highest calling is marriage and motherhood, especially as women. And Mm -hmm. I just don't, I don't see that in scripture. We actually have a totally different narrative in scripture where the highest calling really is celibacy and, you know, a single-mindedness um, for the kingdom. And so really to believe that the promise of home is given to everybody. It doesn't matter if you're married. It doesn't matter if you're not married. It doesn't matter if you have children or, you know, if you don't. It doesn't matter if you're widowed or divorced or, it, you, you know, whatever situation you find yourself in domestically. To first of all say, you know what, the promise of home is for me. And again, it's not just for me to experience as benefit. It's also for me to experience as, as burden. And I think if we could think about that, I think that, you know, we often think that, for instance, like that married people maybe have all the benefits, you know, mm-hmm. and none of the burdens. Um, and and I, think, I think singles could look at married people and think that. I think that married people can look at singles sometimes and think that too. You know, well, look at all the benefits that you have, all that free time, all that kind of, you know, freedom to sort of 
go where you want and do what you want to do when you want to do it, you know, and I have to wake up at, you know, 7 a.m. on Saturday and take my kids to soccer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we could start to really say, I mean, we do. I think married people have, have benefits that, um, that are unique to, you know, marriage and, and family in that sense with children. And we should be sharing those with people who don't have those benefits. And one of the things mm-hmm. that I think is really a big part of that is just hospitality. It was just in well mm-hmm. opening up our circle, our circle of the nuclear family for other people to come in and feel welcomed and to enjoy. And that can, and because what I've heard from, I have a lot of friends who are not married um, here in Toronto. <clears throat> and I think I forget sometimes what a beautiful gift it is to invite them into my noise and my chaos. I don't know. They just, they like it. They like to feel a part of it. They like to, um, they like to be like, you know, DMs feel a part of the family unit. It's a way for them to feel known and recognized. And, and you know what? My unmarried friends ministered to me so much through their friendship. I, and that sounds crazy. I think I hear, I'm 45. I'm married and I have five children. Um, and my life is like kind of crazy, you know, with work too. And, <laughs> and, and um, I so deeply admire my unmarried friends and their friendships with one another. Like the ways mm-hmm. that they're very deep and committed friendships with one another. And when they reach out to me and extend that to me, it is such a gift because sometimes I don't always feel like I have the resources to, you know, to maybe to initiate. And so when they initiate with me, it just, I just feel so blessed. It's like where they're sharing their benefits of it with me, of their the particular contours of their life. Mm-hmm. I also don't assume that just my unmarried friends just have all the free time in the world to do, you know, help me with things, you know. I mean, I I, reg- I think they've all often said, you know, we kind of hate that, you know, in the church where people are like, oh, let all the singles do it, you know, because they have nothing else to do. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. they have tons of stuff to do. But it, I think the so it's the idea of okay, we're at whatever life stage you're in. What are your benefits that you could be sharing with other people? And then conversely, what are the particular challenges and burdens of your life that you could invite somebody to help you with? You know, somebody, and, you know, I've experienced this in the church. I've experienced it with single people. I've experienced it with people who don't have um, children. You know, there's just ways that they have given to me and to my family, which remind me of, of what we do every time we, well, we baptize children in our church. So every time we stand up and a family stands up and, and baptizes their child and the whole, the whole congregation actually takes responsibility for the spiritual mm-hmm. formation of that child. We actually take a vow and we say, yes, we too will work alongside these parents to help this, children, just this child grow to know and love our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think that's symbolic of the ways that we're supposed to live out our lives every day. We don't have to just rely upon like our small little units of family or we don't have to, we don't have to feel alone in that if you're married with children. And similarly, if you're unmarried and you don't have children, you, you feel alone in a different way. You know, we have to reach across our sense of like, you know, that and it's hard, you know, it's reaching across, it's reaching across to both give and also receive. It's time now in our podcast to look at scripture. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and it's active, 
sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Psalm 84, 1-2 How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. The psalmist here expresses his deep desire for the dwelling place that is the Lord's. If we do not ourselves recognize that our greatest belonging is with the Lord, we may attach too much significance in searching for belonging in things that ultimately do not satisfy. I admit that this is my problem. Motivated by a fear of not belonging, I work really hard to try to earn acceptance wherever I go. In my interview with Jen, she posed the challenge of how we tell the world that they are homesick and that the gospel promises home to us. Before we tell the world, we preach to ourselves that Jesus has reconciled us so that we are made permanently acceptable to God the Father. 1 Corinthians 15, 22-25 For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. The uprooting we experience because of sin in Adam is redeemed by Christ, and this ultimate belonging compels and releases me to offer the promise of home to others. Revelation 21, 3-4 And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. What a beautiful picture of what our eternal home with God promises us. The biblical story ends with home. What this means to us now is that we recognize that things are not the way they're supposed to be. As the world longs for the ideals of peace, rest, goodness, we say, yes, there will come a day when all of this will be secured. Let's speak now about what we do to work out our belonging in some very practical ways. First, I think you have to ask yourself what belonging looks like in your life. And to do that, let's return to the initial question of why it's so significant that we belong. The answer is because we were created for it and are hardwired for relationship being made in God's image. If you're like me and had an experience like being bullied in the past, you recognize how sin can really mess with your idea of belonging. Similarly, if your idea of home has been marred by a negative experience, you need to recognize this and bring this before our Heavenly Father. Ask yourself, as Jen mentioned, who really knows you? 
What holds you back from really experiencing the reality and the truth that you belong to Christ? Second, out of our understanding of our belonging in Christ and ultimate home with God, let's recap some of the ways that Jen encouraged us to think about doing the work to build a vision for home and the kingdom of God and a hunger for rootedness right in the place that we live. She encouraged us to be the best resident and care for things like picking up the trash, contributing economically to our neighborhood, shopping locally, working to eliminate injustice. For me, I look to see where my church is involved. My church partners with other organizations in the city to alleviate poverty, care for the unborn, minister to those who are oppressed, befriend international students who are foreigners here in San Francisco. The church can be an outstanding example of heavenly citizenship by caring to make the places where we are thriving ones. In all of this, we are again promoting the values of the kingdom of God. Finally, we can think relationally. Suzette and Abe are outstanding examples of this. They understand that inserting themselves in people's lives and extending to them hospitality to give them a sense of belonging is significant to how they themselves understand their own belonging. When Suzette was here in San Francisco, she would come downtown just to meet me for lunch, and it spoke volumes that she would care about putting herself in that part of my life. And Jen told us that this hospitality and friendship can be leveraged in different seasons, whether single or married. Home is not just the house and 2.2 kids. We can extend home to others beyond traditional family units by reaching into our community and inviting others to be known and loved. Father, now in Christ Jesus, we who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So then, we are no longer strangers and aliens, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as our cornerstone. Help us to sink deep into this truth of our belonging so that we can affirm to a homesick world, as C.S. Lewis said, if I find myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Thanks for listening to the Life as He Reveals podcast. For more episodes, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can find me on my website, lifeasherevealscom